Amen. Hey, uh, um, I want to be honest with, about a couple things up front. Um, uh, number one is uh, uh, our AC units are not working really well right now. Um, you may have noticed that. Uh, feel free to fan your neighbor. Try not to hit them in the face. Um, uh, we hit 81 degrees um, in the first service. Um, I, my bets on, we're taking bets, you know. I, I think we can hit 86 by the time this service is over in this room. So, uh, uh, so I want to let you know that. And, uh, you know, we, we, I guess we got to toughen up a little bit. Uh, the other thing I, I just want to tell you guys that um, I, I didn't really want to come to church today. Um, you, you know, I, I don't know if you ever felt that way. Uh, I, I woke up and... and I don't know if you've ever been in a funk or had a funk, or had a dark, dark cloud kind of just, you really don't know what it is, you can't really define it just to send upon you, and I, I just didn't want to come, but I didn't really have a whole lot of choice, you know, like other oh, preacher, you, got, you can't just lay out, you guys get to when you want to, but I, I, I don't, I don't, and, and, uh, and I was trying hard to lift it, and you know, I mean, I, I was still feeling really rough at 8.55, and I, I texted my two oldest kids, and I said, I said, hey, throw up some prayers for me. You know, uh, I'm in a funk right now, and I don't want to go to church. <laughs> uh, you know, please pray for me. And they did. And the cool thing is, you know, this message and uh, the songs that we picked out were all done before I went on vacation. And, and on vacation, I picked out these songs. And I got to tell you, it really spoke to me, you know. And, and I'm glad I'm here. Uh, it's those times we don't want to go to church. And maybe you didn't want to be here today. Uh, hey, I'm with you, right? I wanted to lay out too, but we're here, right? And, and, and I'm here for a reason today. I believe that. And I believe that you're here for a reason, you know? And I just pray that you will open up your hearts um, to what God would have to say to you this morning. Um, but I feel you sometimes when you don't want to be here. Um, and I, I want to start off today with some, some words, some, some words from God, some words that are alive and active, some words that, that speak and that bring life. And if you've been around Maple Grove for a while, you know that's pretty much all I start out every week. i got to read me some scripture, right? If you want to get off with a good start, you read God's word. And God's word is powerful. And so I want to encourage you to, to lean in, brothers and sisters, to, to hear what God would speak to you this morning. And I want to read uh, Romans chapter 4, 18 through 21. And I, I, I just love this uh, passage. Even when there was no reason to hope, Abraham kept hoping. Believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able. Fully convinced that God is able. Turn to the person to your right and left and just tell them, if there's no one to your right and left, talk to yourself or person <laughs> behind you, right? And just say, God is able. In fact, his, his faith grew stronger and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able he is fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promised. May God bless the reading of his word. And uh, would you pray with me? God, we love you. And God, thank you for allowing us into your presence. Holy Spirit, we're so glad you came. We're so glad you accepted our invitation to come and 
that invitation stands as your, as your word is, is read and taught. Uh, we would invite you to come and, and mold and shake that word for each and every one of us. And God, we thank you that you know, even when life gets hard and, and we think we're alone, we're not. That never once did we ever walk alone. And God, I just pray uh, that your word will come with power. God, I just pray that you would speak to us and that us includes me, that we'll learn some great truths today and that we'll leave this place fully aware that there's a God, a God who loves us and a God who keeps his promises. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this morning as we continue in our summer of 2016 series, uh, Heroes, Amazing Stories of Faith, Another hero that is in that great cloud of witnesses is going to step out of the stands just like Noah and Moses and Daniel and Gideon and Ruth and Elijah and David and Elisha did. He's He's going to step out of the stands. He's going to run a lot with us and share with us what he's learned to encourage us as we run our race that is marked out for us. And the hero we're going to look at this morning is a, is a guy named Abraham. Now, there are more verses in Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter of the Bible, devoted to Abraham than anyone else. In fact, you'll find his name mentioned in the New Testament over 80 times. And Abraham's the one that, that Jesus says we get to sit with at that great banquet in heaven, right? Many will come from the east and the west and will take their place at the feast, surf and turf, with Abraham, prime rib, medium rare. Many will come. Now now everybody's hungry. Many will come from the east and the west and will take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Good question. why, Why is Abraham mentioned so much? I mean, why all the fuss? I mean, what is it that makes Abraham stand out? Well, let me read a few passages and I think you'll see. The first is from Romans 4, verse 16. Everything, everything, everything depends on having faith in God. So that God's promise is assured by his great kindness. Uh, This promise isn't only for Abraham's descendants who have the law. It is for all who are Abraham's descendants because they have faith just as Abraham did. Abraham is the ancestor of us all. And then Galatians 3 In the same way, Abraham believed God, so God declared him righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. And then James 2, 20 through 23 from the message paraphrase. I like how it words it sometimes. Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham made right with God by works? When he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar, isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked partners? That faith expresses itself in works? That the works are works of faith? The full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God and was set right with God, includes his action. It's that mesh of believing and acting that got Abraham named God's friend. So did you see it? Both Paul and James, when when they're looking for an example of someone to use to talk about faith, to explain faith, they both chose Abraham. Understand, when it came to faith, Abraham stood out. And and James makes it clear that Abraham did more than just had, he didn't just have a head faith, he had a hands and feet faith. 
You see, faith is more than simply believing the right stuff. Faith is actually doing the right stuff. And and listen, because of Abraham's faith, that's the only reason that here we are, 4,000 years later, in Charlottesville, Virginia, talking about this guy, Abraham. Question, do you want to be used by God? The key is faith. And listen, faith, it's like a muscle. And there's no quick, fast, easy path to develop it. Many years ago, I have no idea how many years ago it is. Time has no meaning to me anymore. You know, a thousand days is like one day. I mean, when you get my age, right? You know, I'm 22, you know. Uh, but I've heard this commercial that Cher had, you know, Sonny and Cher. She said, if a good body came in a bottle, everybody would have one. Look around. Either a dozen or we haven't found the right bottle, right? <laughs> right? It, 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 it's a muscle. You know, and, and our faith needs to be worked out in order for it to grow. And the way that God, one of the key ways he works out our faith and matures our faith is through test. Jesus' brother, half-brother wrote, Consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know. Because you what? Because you know. You know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. Question. Who, who here liked taking tests in high school or in college? Anybody like taking tests? I was one of those. I loved taking tests, man. I loved it. You know, I was one of those sick people that loved it. And I mean, I honed, you know, my test uh, taking skills in college, man, to a fine art. Man, and I knew a couple weeks into the semester exactly how to prepare depending on what the professor was giving the class. I always liked the professors who would say, you know, hey, you may want to remember this. It's like, okay, I think he's giving me a hint, right? Okay. I, I, I may want to remember this, you know. Now, there were some professors who I were, I, I'm convinced that, you know, their sole goal was to throw in questions that you would never see coming, right? You're like, where it, did that come from? You know, we never talked about that. It's not in anything I read. You know, I had no idea that was going to be on the test. I hated that kind. Um, but the good news is God doesn't do that. Uh, God's going to test you, count on it. But, but, he, but he always tells us up front what, what those tests are going to be. That way we can be prepared because God wants everyone to pass the test. However, there's one thing we don't know about God's test. We don't know the timing. You know, we, we don't know, we don't know when they're going to come, and we don't know how long they're going to last. You see, God specializes in pop quizzes, right? Pop quizzes of varying lengths. Now, now, now some of you are going through a test of your faith right now, and God wants to use it. And I'm so with you. Tests are not always fun. But, but they do have a purpose. I mean, J- James said that the ultimate purpose of any test And are you going through a test right now? He says the ultimate purpose of any test is to grow our faith so that we will be mature and complete, not lacking in anything, which means that even in the midst of the most difficult test, God has a plan, God has a purpose, and God is doing something in spite of how we may feel. Even in the midst of the most difficult trial, right, we, we, we know that God has a plan and God has a purpose and that God is doing something in spite of how we may feel. Get it? Good. 
And listen, no matter what we may think at the time, God's desire is not to harm us, but to give us hope, a living hope, and to create a new and better future in us and through us. And again this morning, as Abraham jogs a lap with us, he's going to talk to us about some of the tests that he encountered in his faith journey with God. Tests that, though he did not ace them, he did pretty good. In fact, he pretty much set the curve uh, for the rest of us. And In fact, he took basically four tests. And here, here's four tests that, that he faced. Uh, uh, the test of a major change, uh, the test of a delayed promise, the test of an impossible situation, and the test of a senseless tragedy. And listen, although the circumstances will vary, I guarantee that you will go through some of these tests at various times in your life. Now, now this week, we're just going to look at the first two, test of a major change and the test of a delayed promise, All right? Next week, um, we're going to look at the test of an impossible situation. Are you in one right now? Got a mountain in front of you? Or a senseless tragedy, man, something awful, right? Man, why did that happen? How did it happen? Why did I get that report from the doctor? Why did this happen to my relationship? You know, whatever, you know, Abraham's going to help us pass those tests. And, and next week is when we end our, our summer series. Um, it's been a great series. I've been, I, I loved every minute of it. Uh, be ready for summer 2017, you know, Amazing Heroes uh, Part 2, right? We're going to do the Star Wars things, man. Pre, prequels, sequels, and Weekles, whatever, okay? And, 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 uh, but, and what we're going to do on, on Labor Day, on September 4th, um, we're going to have Mission Trip Update Sunday. Uh, we're, we're videoing um, one to two-minute clips of the students and all who went on trips to the uh, Dominican Republic, to Romania. Um, we're trying to get the Engadis and their trip in there. And so you guys can hear about, hey, man, what did you guys experience? What did you do? You guys are praying for us, supporting these trips, and they're going to come back and, hey, here's all the incredible stuff that happened. And, and then on September 11th, we're going to begin a series that, 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 that I, I am totally pumped up about um, called, it's a really fancy title, Church. <laughs> That's it. It's just called Church, and we're going to talk about the church, uh, what it is. You know, because I'm convinced if we really understood what we're a part of, it, it would change a lot. And I have no idea what I'm going to talk about other than I'm going to talk about church, and it's going to be awesome um, for us. And again, today, the first test we're going to talk about is a test of a major change. And remember that these tests that are coming our way or are already in our way are intended to mold, shape, and to build our faith. Who here likes change, especially major change? And I think that most of us, we're pretty much okay with where we are and how things are. I mean, even if it's not what we really want, at least we're somewhat comfortable with it. Yeah, sometimes the mere thought of change can be pretty unsettling. Well, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 God calls Abraham to make a major change in his life. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. And, and, and what's the very first word that God spoke to Abram? What is it? Leave. And, and listen, leave 
is why change, especially major change, is so hard. You see, if we think about it, change, all change, is centered and rooted around leaving. And for Abraham, the change that God called him to make meant leaving his country, right? You know, and he, had a, he lived in a really good place. You know, he was a very wealthy man, lived in a very wealthy city. You know, I mean, Ur doesn't sound that great, right? But Ur was pretty awesome. It was a very modern city back then. They've uncovered even shopping malls that they had there, right? And so he, he, he had to leave his country. You know, and, and I enjoyed going to, you know, the DR and to Bangladesh, but I, I tell you, it always felt good when I finally got back and, and the plane landed in the United States. I don't know why, it, it just felt good, right? It felt good to be back home. It felt good to be back in my country. Well, Abraham left his country. He left his people, father's household. Had to leave his way of thinking and living. He was a wealthy guy and he had to leave everything. You know, and, and you know, when we look on the flannel board, right? Oh, Abraham left, you know, but it wasn't easy, right? It wasn't easy for him to make this change for a couple of reasons. Number one, he was old. He was old. Genesis 12, 4, it tells us that Abraham was 75 years old when he got God's call to leave and to go. I mean, I'm pretty sure at that time, Abraham was thinking, you know, I'm ready to retire and take it easy, hang it up. And God said, no, it's time for you to take it down and to get busy. And the point is, we're never too old for God to call us to change. You can teach old dogs new tricks, right? I understand we'll never reach an age where God, we will never reach an age where God no longer has a calling on our life. Yeah, we may stop listening, but he has not and will not ever stop calling us. The second thing that made this change difficult for Abraham was, was that, as we said already, he had to leave a bunch of stuff behind. That's not easy. Leaving his country, his people, his father's household, his comfortable lifestyle. I mean, I bet you he had a really beautiful house, mansion, on the shores of the Euphrates, because it ran right through Ur. You know? you know, he goes from this mansion of Euphrates to living in a tent. And tent living may be fun for a while. You know, Tim Cole, who's coming to do our life group uh, training next Sunday, and that's for people who are in life groups, as facilitators, you want to host or want to know something more about life groups, uh, Tim has some great experience on it. He also has some recent experience in tent living, you know, he went out across the country with him and his wife and his fifth grade son. They traveled 6,000 miles across the country, and, and they did it in a tent. And guess what he sold when he got back home? <laughs> he sold that tent. <laughs> so I never want to see that tent ever again, right? You know, he don't want to see it anymore, okay? You see, following God and answering his call, most if not all times, involves leaving. We see this in Mark chapter 10. Jesus is talking to a guy that we know as the rich young ruler, right? He's a guy who wanted to follow Jesus, who, who wanted eternal life, but he's also a guy who had a lot of stuff. And when Jesus said, hey, so glad you want to follow me, but you got to get rid of all your stuff, he couldn't do it. He walked away with his head hanging low. And shortly after that, Peter comes up to Jesus, and Peter said to Jesus, we have left 
everything to follow you. Pretty powerful, isn't it? What have you left? What have I left? I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them persecutions. In the age to come, eternal life. Again, leaving is always part of following God. Leaving places, leaving comfort, leaving our convenience, leaving our attitudes, leaving, leaving our past hurts, leaving our, our sinful behaviors, leaving our, our wrong attitudes, leaving our wrong ways of living, right? Leaving is always part of following God. Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. And today God is saying that to each of us, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not the same for me as it is for you, but God is saying, leave. So hey, there's some stuff you got to leave if you're going to follow me. Leave and, and then go. The third thing that made this change hard for Abraham was because he, he would have to admit that he settled short of where he was supposed to go. And, and, in Genesis 11, verse 31, it's the verse right before he's called by God. In Genesis 12, verse 1, we read this. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Iran, they settled there. Now, I know it's only one verse, and there's not a whole lot of detail, but it appears that Abraham's dad had already begun the journey to Canaan, to the promised land, but he stopped short, and he settled in Iran. At a place, though, not where he had been was still not where God intended him to go. And now God is saying to Abraham in Genesis 12, 1, Abraham, I need you to finish the journey. I, I need you to finish what you started. And, you know, I, I see a huge parallel for us as Jesus followers. We need to finish what God started in us. Uh, we are not yet where God wants us to be. You know, we have settled short of where God has called us to be. Understand that there's no greater change that God desires in us. There's no greater change than the change that God desires in us once we, were sent, once we have surrendered our life to Christ. Okay, I, like, I blew that like three times. Okay. There's no greater change than the change that God desires in us once we have surrendered our lives to Christ. Three times the charm, right? Thank you. I are a communicator. Okay, and a change that moves us from our old way of life to our new way of life. And that old way of life, Paul said, is characterized by things like sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, putting anything before God, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, making it all about you, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, 
and the catch-all. <laughs> Other sins like these. You see, God wants to move us from that kind of life to living fully the new life, a life that is in step with the Spirit and is characterized by things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Man, wouldn't you want to be around a bunch of people like that? <laughs> that man, there are people that are just oozing that are just using love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. You see, that's a life that is progressively looking more and more like the life that Jesus lived when he wore flesh and walked this planet, which is God's ultimate goal for us. Romans 8, 29, for God knew his people in advance. That's crazy, right? He knew you. He knew how messed up you were, right? We are messed up people, right? You know, and, and I say this and I mean it. It's not a catchphrase. You know, I am a messed up pastor in a church full of messed up people. And if you're for the first time, you so fit in, right? You know, we're messed up. But guess what? God knew us in advance and still chose us. I, 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 he knew me and he chose me. God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Talk about a major change. I understand, sometimes like Abram, we settled down and we pitched our tent in our own version of Iran. Listen, though we're not where we used to be, we're still far short of the life that God intended and the life that God called and the life that God empowered us to live. Get it? Good. Question, it's not even a question. I'll just make a statement. God is calling every Jesus follower in this room this morning, finish the journey, right? You're not there yet. And, and being there is being like Jesus, right? So you're not there yet. Finish the journey. Finish what God started in you. Fourth, this change was difficult for Abraham, not only because of his age, he had to leave a bunch of stuff, because he had to admit, that's hard, right, for us to admit that we're not yet where we're supposed to be, right? You know, we, that we haven't arrived. But it's also difficult because he didn't know where he was going. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Yeah, yeah that's right. Sometimes God calls us to leave, calls us to make a change, and he doesn't give us that many details about where we're going and, and how this thing is supposed to work out. You see, change for the most part is all about the unknown. Why? Because usually when we change, we're going to end up at a place that we have never been before. And the unknown can be scary. Now, now tucked away in the third chapter of Joshua, we, we find some awesome advice of what we need to do anytime we're moving into places we have never been. And God's people were doing exactly that in Joshua chapter 3. It's about 600 years after God made the promise to Abraham. You know, they're, on the, they're on the east side of the Jordan, about to cross over and live in a land they've never lived in before. Joshua chapter 3, 1 through 4. Early in the morning, 
Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shechem and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp giving orders to the people, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the ark represented what? God's presence. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. So, so you see the vice that we need to take whenever we're in a major change and we're going into unfamiliar territory? It's in your notes. We need to stick close to God and follow his lead, right? Stick close to God, hang out with God, be in God's word, and follow his lead, right? And one thing about being in God's word, it does us no good unless we do it, right? You know, what, what we read, it, it just amazes me how much we ignore what's actually in the Bible. And if you've been reading Faith Comes From Hearing, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, oh my goodness, talk about being in your face, right? I mean, I, I can't be angry anymore. I'm not supposed to lust anymore, right? You know, I, 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 I have to turn the other cheek. Man, I can't hate my enemies. And not only don't I have to hate them, I actually got to love my enemies. I got to pray for my enemies. I got to forgive people. I, I mean, that's like all in there. You know, do we do it? I mean, it's just like, oh, well, okay, yeah, it's in there. You know, I, I, we got to stick close to God and follow his lead, actually do what he says. And, and I just want to share uh, this quote about following God into the unknown. It's from a guy named Brennan Manning. Um, he wrote a lot of great books. He's one of my favorite authors. He was an ex-Marine, ex-alcoholic, Catholic priest. He was like ex-everything, right? And he wrote a great book called The Ragamuffin Gospel about God's grace. He also wrote a book about radical discipleship called The Signature of Jesus. And, and, and this quote is so powerful. And actually, it's this quote that, you know, is my, my, my son's theme verse and is what moved my son John um, into missions. The reality of life for Christian men and women requires that they leave what is nailed down obvious and secure and walk into the desert without rational explanation to justify their decision or guarantee their future. Why? Solely and simply because God signals the movement and offers it his promise. The reality of life for Christian men and women requires that they leave what is nailed down obvious and secure and walk into the desert without rational explanations to justify their decisions or guarantee their future. Why? Solely and simply because God signals this movement and offers it his promise. Okay, let's apply this to our lives, this test. Some of you are in the, in the test of a major change, and, and, and God has asked you to leave, maybe not directly, but asked you to leave what is nailed down, obvious, comfortable, and secure, and, and, and to, to go out into the desert without without knowing how it's going to work out. And, and listen, when, when, we are in the, when we are in the midst of a, of a major change, two questions we need to ask of God is, is God, God, what do you want me to do while I'm here? And who do you want me to become while I'm here? Major change. God is asking you to move. And 
And some of you really know it, right? I mean, you feel the prompting. Now, you may not know where you're supposed to go, but you just know you're not supposed to stay where you are, and you're not supposed to continue to be who you are. And this whole thing is making you uncomfortable. And you're asking the where and how questions of life. You know, where should I work? Where should I live? Where should I go to school? Where should I serve? For some of you, the major change may be like, it's a re- is, hey, God has asked you, hey, you need to surrender your life to me. You need to give your life to me. For some of you, the major change that's making you uncomfortable is God to say, hey, you know what it's time for? It's time to get out of the stands. It's time to get off the sidelines and get in the game. You know, we're called not just to believe the gospel, but to participate in it. And God is saying, hey, you know what? You know what? My church needs you. God's saying, you know what? Get out of the stands. Get, get off the sidelines. Get in the game and, and find a place where you can serve to make the body of Christ stronger. Amen? You know, and if you don't know where that is, you don't know where you need to serve, you know, right on your connection card. I mean, I, I triple dog dare you. You know, stick your tongue on a frozen uh, flagpole dare you, right, from the movie. Right? Yeah, but I, I triple dog dare you right on your connection card. Hey, you know what? I've basically been sitting on my you know what, you know, and it's been good, and I've been loving it, but now I feel God saying, you know what, I, I need to participate and help make his church stronger, but I don't know where. Um, could you help me? And then elders can meet with you, pray with you, and say, hey, here's a place where you can serve, right? You know, yeah, but that's uncomfortable, right? Well, I don't know. What's it going to be like? What, what if I go work in children's ministry? What, what kids like me? What are we good at? You're not going to know. <laughs> You're not going to know until you jump in. Amen? Yeah, you're, oh, yeah, we're feeling good. <laughs> but see, we have to break this habit. And when I say we, I mean we, including myself, of, of asking God, 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 when you fill in all the blanks and connect all the dots, then I'll go. <laughs> see, that's not faith, right? God says, no, now you go, you know, then I'll let you know. You, you know understand, you know, you know, faith is all about uncertainty, right? Change is about uncertainty. And I'm saying, you know, when David stepped in the valley, he didn't know how things were going to turn out. Moses didn't know when he, when he stood before Pharaoh. He didn't know how things would turn out. Esther didn't know, right? When she walked into the king, you know, she, she said, well, if I die, I die. She didn't know how things were going to turn out. You know, God, God's not going to tell us the results, right? He, he says, hey, step out in faith and let's see what happens. Major change. Second test is a delayed promise. By faith, Abraham made his home in the promised land, and like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Key word in there is used twice is the word promise. I understand, promise is a very important word in the vocabulary of the, of the believer. And you may want to write this one down. God wants us to base our lives on his promises, not on what? Not on explanations. On his promises. God promised Abraham, if you move, I'll give you a new land. Problem was, 100 years later, he's still living in a tent. He never did receive the land. Understand, the second test is when. When am I going to get it? When are you going to answer? When are you going to fulfill your promise? 
When are you going to show up and do your God thing? You know, I can handle about any task if I know there's a limit, right? If I know that it's going to end. But it's so much harder for me to handle a test when I, I, I don't know the end point. When it just seems to go on and on, when it doesn't seem to get any better, the marriage problem doesn't get any better, the job situation doesn't get any better, your health doesn't get any better. I mean, have you ever been at a place where it seems like there's no end in sight? It's a continual test, a delayed promise. You know, you hope it's coming, but you just don't know when. And listen, The lesson is this, faith, the kind that pleases God and moves mountains, will wait for God's timing. Why? Because faith knows that God's timing, though not always what we want, it's never what I want, I'll be honest with you. I got a lot of wins in my life. When, God, buy me some Starbucks and we'll hang out for four hours, right? I'll tell you then, right? You know, it's not always what we want, but it always is perfect, Ecclesiastes 3.11, he does everything just right and on time. But people can never completely understand what he's doing, right? He's like, yep, okay, God, I guess you know what you're doing, but wow, this timing is okay. Again, some of you in this room are in the when test. And the burning question in your life is not where, but it's when. Lord, when? When are things going to get better in my marriage? When are things going to get better in my finances? When when am I going to get that job? When am I going to get that promotion? When am I going to get well, God? When are things going to turn around and really take off around here? God, when? When is it going to happen? God, I know you promised that you work all things up, all, all things together for the good of those who love you. Well, in case you're wondering, I'm ready for you to start the good things happening. And then Abraham, he's running beside us, and we're reminded of what Paul said about him. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Question, is there anything that you have been expecting and hoping and wanting God to do that he hasn't done yet? You know, as you, as you flip through the pages of scriptures, you, you, you see that... It, that a lot of people went through the waiting test, right? Noah waited 120 years, right? Moses waited 40 years in the desert. David waited 12 years to get his crown. Joseph waited 18 years to rise up in Egypt. And Abraham waited his entire lifetime. Waiting is, is hard. I hate waiting. One thing, I, I wait because you never know how long it's going to be, and you never know if it's going to be worth the wait, right? You're at this restaurant, right? You're just waiting. Okay, so it's a great restaurant. You got that little thing vibrate, please vibrate, right? You know, you're there for an hour and a half. You're like, okay, this better be good. This better be good. And when it's not good, you're like, are you kidding me? (laughs) We waited two hours, and this is what we got, right? So we're waiting, but listen, waiting on the Lord is different. 
He will always show up, and he will always be worth the wait. Get it? Good. Check out these words from Isaiah about waiting. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by God? What were they saying? God, God, I'm tired, I'm sick, I'm worn out, whatever. My problem is, God, you don't even care. <laughs> you don't even notice. You, don't have, you have no idea what I'm going through. And then God answers, <laughs> have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Question, are you in a wind test? Will you continue to trust in God even if the promise is delayed? Even if there is no rational reason for you to keep hoping and for you to keep believing. Now, now there's a very important question that, that we need to answer. How was Abraham able to keep his faith despite never receiving the promise in his lifetime? The answer is found in Hebrews 11, verse 10. By faith, Abraham made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country, and he lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise in the same tents, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Abraham was doing what? He was looking where? He was looking forward. He was looking forward. And that's exactly what we need to be doing if we're going to continue to trust in God when his promise is delayed. Everyone was looking forward to a better place. He was looking forward to a, to a heavenly city. You know, I, I, I brought my, this, this long rope here. Oops, almost fell. And you guys remember, I've done this before, I've shown this before, but you know, like this, this red part on the rope represents your life, your earthly life. You know, you know maybe, maybe it's 50 years you got, maybe you got 60, 70, maybe you got 80, 85, 90, all right? And, 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 and that's your earthly life. And, and, and this is eternity, right? And it, it goes and it goes and it stretches out forever, right? It never ends, right? And, 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 and isn't it crazy that, that, that like this, Maybe this one section of my life right here, maybe it's a bad week, a bad year, you know, I'll say, man, this is, this is really awful. This is terrible. This is awful, God. It's, and God goes, yeah, I know it is, but, but, but this will be like totally amazing forever. I know, God, but I'm having a bad week. Yeah, but, but Steve, Steve, like forever, like for like billions and billions, forever, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great, you know, and, 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 and I, I tend to focus on, oh, it's so bad right now. You, you see, we have to keep looking forward. And I can't tell you your when this morning. You know, when God is going to answer, when he's going to do his thing. But there's something that I can tell you. If you're a Jesus follower, there will be a when. I understand, our, our God is more than trustworthy. And he will keep his promises. 
If not in this life, most definitely in the life to come. You can trust him. You must trust him. See, trusting in God is, is where life is. And, you know, we read in Romans, Romans 15, 13, Romans 15, 13, we should pray this for each other. I, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Could you imagine that? Like, you are filled, com- are, are you filled with that now? He says, I pray that you be filled completely with joy and peace. Well, how does that happen? Because you trust in him. Then you'll overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow, wouldn't it be awesome? See, when we put our trust in God, when we really put our trust in God, right, we are filled completely with joy and peace, and we have a confident hope. Peter said this in our readings this past week, put all your hope, put all your hope in the grace of salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. You see, Abraham kept going even when, even with the when question still hanging over his head because he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Jesus said to his guys, right? John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled because I'm going to make everything in your life sunshine and rainbows, right? Is that what he said? Is that what he said? Don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going to fix everything. I'm going to make everything the way you want. You send it up, I send it back. That's not what he said. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Look forward, because in my Father's house, there are many rooms. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go there to prepare a place for you, I will come back to get you so you may be with me where I am. You see, before, in that culture, before a, a guy would have his wedding day, he would go to his dad's house and build on a little addition. You know, he'd build a room. And once that room was done, everybody knew it's time he's gone to get his bride. And one day the room will be done and Jesus will come and get his bride. In an introduction to his book, Things Unseen, Mark Buchanan writes about what he calls the big fix. Heaven is meant to be our fixation, our big fix. It's to be our deep secret, like being in love. Or just the thought of it carries us through the menial chores of the day or imparts to us courage in the face of danger. We fix on it and it fixes us. Heaven is meant to be our big fix. It's to be our deep secret, like being in love. We're just the thought of it. We're just the thought of living in a world with no death, no disease, no sorrow, no depression, no divorce, no broken families, no broken heart, no sin, no anger, no hatred. Just the thought of it. Carries us through the menial chores and imparts to us courage in the face of danger. Yes, our when is coming. Keep looking forward to what God will do in this life and the next. You see, to be honest, we don't fixate on heaven enough, right? It's somewhere along that, you know, like, 
a saying became common, right? You're, you're too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. Ever heard that? That's nonsense, right? Total, absolute nonsense, right? Well, if you think too much about heaven, no. If, you really, if we really think about how awesome heaven is, that's, only the t- that's the only time we'll be any earthly good, right? You know, you know, matter of fact, we're commanded to think about heaven. Since you've been raised in new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with God in Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, this is nuts right here. When Christ, who is your whole life, is revealed to the whole world, those, those next uh, seven words are just crazy, if you think about it, right? Like, is he, like, is he kidding us? Are you serious? Like, this is true? When Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Are you kidding me? I have no idea what that means. But it's good. I bet it's good. I bet it's awesome. Yes, a huge one is coming. A one where God will fulfill every promise in ways that will blow our minds. And some ones will come in this life as well. So as I like to say, you know, keep looking forward and don't quit on, don't quit on six, right? Right? Uh, what if walking around Jericho, they quit on the sixth time? They would, the walls wouldn't come down. I mean, sometimes I want to quit on one, right? Sometimes I want to quit when I see the walls, right? You know, but don't quit on six, right? Because you never know. You never know how close you are to seven, and you know what looking forward does? Looking forward keeps us moving forward. And, and moving forward is a good thing. I mean, God never called anybody to stay, right? I call you to stay, right? Never did. We were created to move forward. If, if we dwell on the past, we're going to live there, right? There is no future in the past, right? There's no future in the past. When we look forward with a dream of a future, a future that God wants to create in and through us, we want to go there because God is there and he's calling us to, to life with him. You know, on Thursday, I, I was hanging out by the pool that's near the beach where we were staying, and, and you know, there, there's a, how many times has this happened, right? There's a, a two-year-old in swimmies, right? Yeah, got a little swim wings on, right? And, and, and the dad's in the pool trying to get, get her to jump, right? It took three minutes, right? Come on and jump. And she's, you know, come on, jump. Daddy's here. Trust me. Come on and jump, you know? And, and, and eventually she jumped and had a, had a great time, right? You know, because that's where the fun is, right? You know, there's no life on the edge, right? You know, and, and too many times we hang on the edge, right? And God is saying, come on, jump. Trust me. You know, come on, just jump. That, that, that's where life is. It's at the deep end of the pool where, where God is. Test number one is a major change. Will you follow God's direction without knowing where and, and with, without having all the details worked out? And number two is just a, a delayed promise. Will you trust in God's timing without knowing when? And, and to those who are in a when test right now, I'm with you. <laughs> Keep waiting. Keep knocking. 
Keep asking. Keep seeking. And keep trusting in God. Because God is faithful. Never, never give up. Trust in him. Amen? So what? What now, right? You know, we, we do this time as we end. It's time to respond to the, to the message, you know, and, and many ways to respond, right? You know, and I'll just say this, you know, you know, there may be someone in a wind test right now. It's just hard. You're tired. You see no end in sight. You know, and maybe you need prayer. You know, I'll hang up here. You know, come with me, I'll pray with you. You know, because, you know, like, I, you know, because sometimes you, I don't know about, sometimes you just can't pray. You know, at 8.55, I wasn't able to pray, so thanks to technology, right, I can text my son in New York City and my daughter in Indiana and say, hey, you know what, I'm in a funk, I don't want to go to church. <laughs> Without the preacher, I got to go to church. Could you pray for me? You know, and boom, I get a text, I get text back, you know, and, and they prayed for me. You know, and it makes a difference. And I'm just saying, you know, you know, there's no shame in asking for prayer. And if you're tired and, man, you just say, man, man would you guys just pray? Would you pray for me? You know, yeah, I, I'd love to pray with you. You know, um, if, if you want to surrender to God, you know, you can do that. And all of us have that opportunity. We do every week. And, you know, we're, we remember Christ's sacrifice, the, the broken bread. Broken bread represents his broken body and the, the cup has shed blood. The thing that, you know, if you kept that promise, right? The promise you made in the garden. If you have that promise, he'll keep better. Now, that, that was a tough one, right? <laughs> Killing, watching the sun die. He, he's going to keep his promises to you. And so that broken bread and that cup is a reminder of that great promise that, that he's made to us. And, 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 and then we respond by giving, right? Saying, God, I, I want to give back to you to make this church stronger, to make this church more effective for you. And so if you guys would just, would just stand, I'm going to say a brief prayer. And again, if you feel a need for prayer, just, just feel free. God, we love you and we thank you. And God, I pray for those in the Wentest who are tired and weary and, and man, they just want it to end and, and, and it's so hard. And God, I just pray that you would give them the strength to lean on you the strength to trust in you, the strength to give it to you, the strength to keep looking forward. And God, for those who are going through a major change, and God, there's so much uncertainty. God, I, I pray that they will take the advice of Joshua and stick close to you and follow your lead. And Jesus, we thank you for your broken body and your shed blood. In Jesus' name, amen.